All right. Um, want to begin just with a few questions. Um, and here's the, the title of the message. Maybe it'll make sense here eventually when I get into it. I, I was going to start our new series uh, this morning, but decided against it because I felt burdened to share this message with you. And so we're going to be going to 2 Corinthians uh, in our new study. That's where we're going to be going. We're going to be walking through uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, before we do, though, I want to uh, give you a message over a biblical response to crisis. A biblical response to crisis. And to help all of us orient ourselves um, in hopefully a healthy way to navigate life. So I want to ask you some questions as we begin to get your mind thinking. How are we responding to the events of our day? Maybe a better way to say that is how do you believe we are responding? Are we responding well? Are we, are we responding well? When I say we, I'm really specifically talking about the children of God, believers. How are we doing in our response to the events of our day? Let me ask you another question. Uh, we have a tendency to look through the lens of our present circumstance and forget um, historically uh, what people have gone through. So I want to ask you this. Is this the first time that we as human beings, as Christians really, is this the first time that we've experienced trouble? Okay. <laughs> you know the next question. Will this be the last time that we experience trouble? Will Satan try to use the circumstances of our day to hinder our walk with God and the Great Commission? Will he try to use these circumstances to hurt the church? So with that in mind then, I, I want to address something today that I feel um, would be healthy to address and hopefully will be a help to you. To do so, I want to illustrate though and bring to question in your mind, in the midst of crisis, are you a builder or a breaker? In the midst of crisis, are you a healer or a herder? How do you respond? In the midst of crisis, are you a helper or a hindrance? And I, and I fervently am driving this down to the individual heart of you because you matter. <laughs> you're, as the children of God, you're the ones who are entrusted with the character of Christ and the doctrines of the Bible to display what a Christian is like in the world in which we live. So there are a lot of a lot of issues around our day, a lot of circumstances that um, can cause division amongst God's people. And by the way, I'm going to tell you again, I'm not addressing any problem that I know of at fellowship. 
but we are not insulated against trouble. And I want to help all of us put on the mind of Christ and consider what the scriptures have to say about how we handle, how we represent a biblical response to crisis. So I want to share with you this, this letter. So I'm going to read pretty much most all of it. And you can share it, Daniel, if it's shareable. So this is a letter. And let me ask you, do you suppose uh, that um, people have questions about end times today? Do you suppose that there is a wave of, of perspective over emphasizing that we're in the last days or the end times? Uh, matter of fact, Pastor Phil, I think we got something this last week from a church that didn't they say they were going to name who the Antichrist was? They're going to reveal the Antichrist. For 1999, you could no, it's free. This one's free. Okay, this one's free. Well, we're going to do it for 1999. Um, all right. So this is from a this is from a, a co-laborer in ministry, and this comes from uh, people in their church that are looking at and, and responding to emphasis about prophecy, and even with the idea that the church is not being relevant if you're not uh, teaching about the last days and answering how COVID and how the governments that are in power are using this time to usher in the end times. If you're not preaching about those things, you're missing the mark. And um, I know with this particular laborer, I don't, I don't believe it's in response to this letter, but with this particular co-laborer, uh, a family left their church because the pastor wasn't being relevant. I'm going to tell you something right now before I get into this, this letter. Now, by the way, if you're visiting, I don't preach on letters. This is an illustration introducing us into this subject, okay? So I, we get into the Word of God here is what we do. Um, but in this circumstance, uh, I want to tell you about relevance. I believe the series that I just preached on relationships is relevant because the Bible's relevant. I believe any time I open the Word of God, it's relevant. I believe any time Pastor Phil opens the Word of God and preaches it to God's people, it's relevant. I believe every time our Sunday school teachers open the Word of God and preach and teach the doctrines of the Word of God, it's relevant. It may not be somebody's hobby horse, but we teach the whole counsel of the Word of God and do our best at representing the whole counsel of the Word of God and presenting what God wants us to do. But there is a response to end times that can be unhealthy. So, bear with me. This brother writes, I'm glad, and he's referring to an article that was written by an author about end times. He says, I'm glad the author of the article did not set a date. God's word clearly teaches that no one knows the day or the hour of the Lord's return. I do think I can confidently say it will be sometime between 
9 and 10, he says. I do not know the day nor which time zone, though. That was a joke, okay? It'll be between 9 and 10, and, and, and never mind, okay. Re, regarding the article you pointed us to, I do wonder where in the Bible the following events, highlighted in yellow, you've got to keep that in mind. I do wonder where in the Bible the following events, highlighted in yellow, are called signs of the end times. The author calls them signs in the green highlights. So the signs of the times he's going to say are in yellow and referring to the signs as green highlights. Okay, so the 2011-2012 time frame was prophetically significant. This is coming from an article on many levels. It seemed we have entered a new era where end time signs were noticeably increasing. And as you read through here, <clears throat> you're going to hear the weakening of America as an end time sign. In addition to the events listed above, there were scores of other significant events, including extreme weather, the weakening of America, and the uh, coarsening of society. I'm going to go down to the next paragraph, enter 2020. The events of 2020, including the COVID-19 man-made, excuse, he says parenthetically, excuse me, I mean gain of function, whatever that's all about. The virus was released, as was lawlessness, violence, deception, deep political corruption, and other moral evils on a broader scale than we'd ever seen or, be, or been made aware of. And this time, again, he says, these signs, these end-time signs, were happening globally. It was as if we entered a medium boil phase where those of us, whereas those of us paying attention to signs that lined up with end-time conditions used to be able to identify just about every significant prophetic stage setting event fairly easily. He says, now I literally cannot keep up with all the signs of the times. The recent list includes record-breaking. <clears throat> Again, what we're looking for is where the Bible says that these are the signs of the times, okay? Record-breaking wildfires, heat waves, flooding, mass animal deaths, major riots. Meanwhile, inflation is occurring. The workforce in America can't keep up with the demand because people are being paid to stay home. People who have been fully vaccinated are still being infected with the COVID-19 virus. A video shows a school functioning where a woman is saying those opposed to critical race theory should die, and the crowd applauses. San Francisco Gay Men's Choir put out a creepy video, music video informing anyone who believes in traditional marriage that they are coming for your children. A Brazilian taboo artist returns himself into a demonic-looking ORC from the Lord of the Rings series by tattooing his eyeballs, removing his nose, and implanting horns. More shows celebrating witchcraft. And again, these are all lifted up as, see, look at the signs of the times, the signs of the times, the signs of the times. And I'm just saying, look, open your Bible. All right? But wait, there's more. <clears throat> a company in Ireland is looking to fund the creation of a colossal moving speaking statue known as the giant in 21 cities by the end of the year. There have been 321 mass shootings already in 2021, leaving 352 people dead and 
1,331 injured. The vaccines have caused the death of thousands, according to official verifiable records, and various whistleblowers are claiming these numbers are much lower than the reality. Next highlighted line, Macron, surely having consulted with other European leaders who will follow suit, announced a vaccine pass to be implemented in order to take part in normal activities, and on and on it goes. The response then from this co-laborer. These remind me of a track I read in the 1970s that warned of the vultures in Israel increasing in population for no apparent reason other than to feast on the bodies of those killed in the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation 19. And of a track I read also in the, 19, in the 1970s of a giant supercomputer located in Belgium called The Beast that could hold data about everyone in the world and the barcodes in the 80s that apparently the government forced all items on all items for sale to have was the mark of the beast. The response of this co-laborer to this concerned parishioner goes on to say, the author and others are seeing almost every headline-making event as a fulfillment of prophecy. He says, I honestly think this makes people less willing to believe the Bible because most of these events are not signs. I believe the Bible teaches that the next event on the prophetic timeline is the rapture, and there are no signs of the rapture. It is imminent, which means it could happen at any time. Nothing must occur prior to it happening. That is why Paul could ex expect Christ's return in his lifetime before any of the author's um, signs came about. Yes, we are in the end times. The last days began in Acts 2, 16 through 21. Read it for yourself. I do get sadly amused at so-called prophecy updates. What prophecies need updating? Are they changing? Are there new ones coming into existence? Please listen to this last statement. People need to hear the gospel so they can be born again. And that is our mission. I know you believe that, he says to this believer. And you are a great example of someone who shares the gospel intentionally. Last statement, please hear it. I do not wish for you to get sidetracked. I love that picture, by the way. A biblical response to crisis. You and I need to make sure that we represent Christ in our response to the happenings of the world. You and I will be lied to incessantly. You hear me? You're going to be lied to incessantly. You and I have the same experience today. We don't know who to believe. And now all of a sudden things turn into politics. And now things turn into uh, hatred of one person not responding to the crisis of the day like I am responding. And by the way, intermixed with all of this is a reality that affects all of us. And, and yes, we know it does. And we've got to navigate this time. But I'm going to remind you that the number one characteristic of the church to look like Jesus is to love each other. 
and to love the world around us. So I'll go back to my questions. How, how are we responding to the events of our day? How do we respond to crisis? Well, let's take a moment and talk or at least look at what the Bible has to say in regards to some end time issues. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, in verse 3, you have the disciples talking to Christ and asking a question. As it sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man what? Don't you find it interesting that the Lord starts with that? Hello, are we together? Take heed that nobody deceive you. How are you going to stop from being deceived? Turn your radio on. No, better not do that. How are you going to stop from being deceived? I know. Let's Facebook it. How are you going to stop from being deceived? Let's just give one word to it, Bible. Verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not what? Listen, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not Doctrine affects behavior. Doctrine affects emotion. Bad doctrine gives bad behavior. Bad doctrine brings bad emotion. I was talking to one of our believers there here in the room this morning. They were talking about uh, a, a, a particular preacher that emphasizes um, the demonic or the spiritual realm. A lot of people flock to hear that, that speaker. I want to just orient everybody here, okay? There's nobody on the planet that has hidden insight into the Word of God. You've got the same Bible I've got. You don't need to go hear some guru who shows you something you've never seen before. And when you hear something you've never seen before, you really need to question whether or not it's there. And stop treating our Bibles like numerology should actually be a, a, a sound practice of doctrine. Look, if you get all these numbers just mixed up, just right, you know what they spell? COVID. And if I get these numbers and verses mixed up just right, you know what it spells? Weirdo. Come on, folks. 
Don't be immature with the world around you. I wonder what people in our history were thinking back at the time of uh, the Civil War. Do you think they thought that was the end of everything? Back when our nation went through the two world wars, do you think, do you think that everybody thought that was the end? Some of you are old enough and they're with me. You remember the Cold War and Russia and, and oh my, and there's President Reagan. And uh, sorry, that's my, I, I like President Reagan. He, he was a good Western actor. <laughs> All through these times, believers, and now let me give some grace to this, and I, I do think it's appropriate. And we're going to get to this place. But believers always do well to be paying attention. But your paying attention can have a bad end if it's not anchored in good doctrine. So pay attention in a way that reflects the truth of the Bible. And we come back here to verse 6, and you shall hear wars, rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So listen, folks, I want to stop here for a moment on verse 6 and say, if the end result of what we're hearing about our day takes us to a behavioral trouble, an emotional trouble, something's wrong. Something's wrong with our doctrine, and it needs to be fixed. And the way it gets fixed is resigning our thinking to the truth of the word of God. Lord, you have said, and my confidence is in you. Verse seven, for nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations <coughs> for my name's sake. And then, many, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall what? And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Matthew 24, as we go further, we read in verse 36, but of that day, give you a moment to get there, verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. What is the admonition? Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So what does the Lord want us to do in a biblical response to crisis? A biblical response to crisis anchors ourselves in our relationship with a God who loves us and a God who has a plan and a God who's got it under control. I'm going to tell you something here. He tells us to watch and he tells us to do something else. Do you remember what the other thing is? Watch and pray. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in the Lord's Prayer where the Lord tells us to pray that we not be delivered into evil or the Lord would deliver us from evil. That, that It's a healthy and good prayer. But I'm going to tell you something else as well, and I'll get back to this hopefully in the time that we have. Many times I think instead of praying for the Lord to do what he's doing and to show us how to be used at this time, I think many times our prayers are turning to get us out of it. We'll come back to that thought in a moment. He tells us to watch, he tells us to pray, but it's interesting if you go into Matthew 24 and look at what's next. He addresses his servant. I'm going to tell you that I believe that the biblical response to crisis is to watch, pray, and serve. But, Look at verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Upon what he's just said, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so, next word, doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods, but if that but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with, uh, with the drunken. The idea is to turn his back on God and just do what feels good and what pleasures drive him. That's the idea, verse 50. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware, aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Understand again. Bad doctrine brings bad behavior. So it's right for everyone in this room to be concerned with one major issue. Am I a child of God? And to get that relationship issue settled. But upon that relationship issue being settled, placing your faith in Christ, the doctrines of the Bible then become our anchor and our platform not only for truth but for navigation 
in a world of crisis. It's high time that the church matured and stopped acting like two and three-year-old children running. I'm going to tell you what it looks like. Forgive me, my kids. I won't, I won't tell which one of you it is. <laughs> but it's not just one of you. Any of you have kids when you were, when they were little, you go to the backyard and there is a bee or a wasp that buzzes by. You have your kids have that happen? And what do they do? Well, it kind of depends. And I cannot even physically with my bodily limitations react for you in a way that some of my children react when they see any bug fly by. When a bug flies by, you would think that they just got shot by a sniper. I mean, hawah! And I stand there and I say, what are you? Matter of fact, I get irritated. Why? Because I'm going through my peaceable life, and the next thing I know, there is, yeah! Kind of scream stuff, and I'm like, what? It was a bug. Stop it. And we, I go through the same thing. That wasp has no interest in you. That fly might land on you, but it isn't going to hurt. But if you keep acting like something is the great cataclysmic danger of the world and respond that way, as a believer, you are responding as an immature believer. You're responding as a child. I say this often. I'm not a spiritual guru. I'm not better than anybody else here. I need reminded of these truths as well. I can still act doctrinally like a child if it isn't for the working of the Spirit, the Word of God, and fellow believers that come along and say, hey now, how do you know if you're responding to crisis in an unbiblical way? You ready for this? You ready? If you respond to crisis in fear. If you respond to crisis with fear, you are not doctrinally oriented on that issue. And by the way, I do believe that there can be time that, ha that, that the truth of God has to minister to that fear and get us under control. But I'll remind you of pa a passage that you should tuck away. It's Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, they, they say this. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I'll read it again. What time I am afraid, I will trust 
in thee. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Say it with me. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. One last time. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. There's a decision that has to be based on doctrine. Will you decide, will I decide to trust God instead of being afraid? It goes on to say in verse 4, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Take your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We in this together? I don't want anybody, now listen, I, I've already said something that's kind of, you know, if you want to, you can be upset. I've said that if you're responding in fear, you're immature. And some of you don't call me immature. You're immature. I'm probably going to regret that. <laughs> uh, look, we love each other. We're in this together. And this isn't, this isn't somebody's responding badly. So, hey, get out of here. Let's, look, let's, let's do what we're supposed to do, love each other and build each other up. Let's do that. Let's do that. First Thessalonians 5. But of the times and of the seasons, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Read verse 5 out loud with me, please. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. And all God's people said, Amen. Therefore, 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 doctrine affects behavior, affects emotion. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, do what? Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Second Timothy chapter 3. A biblical response to crisis. Understanding God's plan and what the world is and who we are should give us direction and give us security. Second Timothy 3 verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer 
persecution. It goes on to say, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But do what? Read verse 14, please, out loud. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Continue in the word of God. Continue in the doctrines of the Bible. All right, I told you I'd come back to this point, so bear with me as I, as I try to somehow say this well. We seem to be doing all we can to try to get out of what God has called us to. I get it. I mean, nobody likes to suffer. Nobody says, yay, this is going to be fun because the hospital food is good. We seem to be doing a lot about what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? What are we going to do? And then worse, worse, the attitude comes into God's people and they're intermixing with each other and into the assembly. And now, instead of being helpers, we are hindrances. Instead of being builders, we're breakers. By God's grace and with his help, may that never be said of you. May that never happen here. But it can. If we behave in crisis in ways that are not biblical. My, you, ever, you ever think kids, kids are smarter than us sometimes? Sometimes it sure seems that way. Had one of my young people say this week, I don't think COVID's ever going away. You may be right. What are you going to do? Look, Kathy Eamon just died of it. And I, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not taking away the, the sorrow and hurt that the, all, all who know and love the Eamons feel. Caleb, you and I, I think, I don't know if it was you and I talking about it, but you know, I, I just said, no believer is ever sad to go to glory. Hello? No believer is ever sad to go to glory. Bad doctrine affects our behavior, messes us up. I'm going to tell you again something about heaven that I believe. I think, I think we, we do all kinds of sloppy, childlike doctrine. You, you still have people that have been in church for, for sometimes far too many years that will say, you know, things like, you know, we're going to get our wings when we go to heaven, we're going to be like angels, and no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not an angel, no matter what your parents told you. <laughs> I'm also going to tell you this. 
I really, I'm sorry, but I really don't believe that our loved ones who've passed on before us are looking over heaven's borders and looking at us and saying, come on. You can do it. I'm going to tell you that doctrinally, I believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to be overwhelmed with the presence of God. Continually. You're not going to be sitting on a cloud playing some harp. I, I don't, forgive me, if whoever I was talking to recently, but we know some things about heaven. What do we know? We're going to walk on streets of gold, right? And here we are like, man, we're going to walk on streets of gold. And the Lord's like, why are they talking about pavement? <laughs> I want all of us as we wrap up this message today to... Remember something, we in this room are followers of Christ and it's high time we act like it. It's high time it affect our behavior and affect our emotion. A couple of more little things and I'll, and I'll, I'll move on. Danny asked me the other day and, and I responded to him quickly, Daniel Sterling. He asked me a question the other day, and I responded to him quickly because I've had time to think about it. And he said, Pastor Jeff, he said, are you glad you had the accident? And I responded quickly, yes. I'm going to tell you doctrinally why I would say yes. One, I believe it's an outworking of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life when you go through trauma that the Holy Spirit just ministers to you. All across this room, you know that. But doctrinally, the reason I told Daniel, yes, I'm glad I was in the accident, is based on the belief of a good and sovereign God who has a will for my life. And this is my response to that. Why would I want to run from God's will? Why would I want to run from God's plan? You got a better plan? You think you're able to navigate life better than God can? How's that work? Doesn't mean that everything's easy, right? We get that. We get, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean everything's easy. But God's Continual companionship and comfort and help are always there. What I want to commend to all of us who claim to be followers of Christ is to look to Christ as our example. So here's our closing. John 9 and verse 4. In John 4, verse 34 and 35. In John 6, 37 
through 40. Jesus' words of John 9, 4, may we remember them. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. You breathing? Some of you are like, yeah, but not well. But you're breathing. You know what you do? You do what you can for the glory of God. Period. You do what you can. Hello? You do what you can. John 4, 34 and 35. Jesus says unto them, my meat, my sufficiency, my sustenance, we would translate my purpose, perhaps, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. What is, what is a biblical response to crisis? It is to do the work of God in the time that we've got. It's to do the will of the Father while we have breath. Our last verse is John six thirty-seven through 40. You want assurance? Listen to the Bible, John six thirty-seven. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. How do you know God wants you to be saved? Come. You come to Christ, he makes his promise. Him that cometh to me, say it out loud. I will in no wise cast out. You want to be saved? Come to Christ. You want the hope of glory? Come to Christ. You want deliverance from all your diseases? Come to Christ. You want deliverance from all your afflictions? Come to Christ. Because it's only he that can give it. And he promises he will. And that fulfillment of that is when we step into his presence. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have, say it, everlasting life. And he says this, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
Well, what's the answer to a biblical response to crisis? Well, the answer is in the title. Respond biblically. Know your God. Walk with your God. Let the words of God give us hope, encouragement, purpose, grit, fight. Don't quit. You can't do everything. But you can do what you can. Be a builder, not a breaker. Be a helper, not a hindrance. Be people that reflect the power and character of God.